Hello and welcome to Archaeology Southeast Digs Deeper. For this week's episode, we're not really talking about digging, but the recording of historic structures, which is another important aspect of the work we do at ASE. I'm your host, Emily Johnson, and today I'm here with Dr. Michael Shapland from our Historic Buildings team. Michael, do you want to introduce yourself? So I'm, I'm Michael, and I'm an Historic Buildings archaeologist. I kind of went sideways from being a digger <laughs> quite a few years ago now, and I've spent the last six or seven years working for ASE, looking at historic buildings in various capacities. Right. So what does what does your role entail? What's like your normal day to day? So basically what I do is I turn up uh, an old building sometimes to, well, always to understand it and trace its history and understand its development and understand all the things that have been added on or, or, or knocked off through time. And then sometimes that will inform a a presentation of the building to the public or will inform a planning application for a listed structure uh, and quite often it will be the last record of a building before it's demolished or significantly mm-hmm. altered so it's generally with those things in mind and then sometimes I get involved with digging underneath a building in a more traditional archaeology sense but right ar- yeah archaeology is the study of of the material past it doesn't really matter whether it's above or below ground it's still old right. stuff from the past and we're using the old stuff to tell interesting stories about what happened before so and that's that's what i do yeah i was gonna say put that on a t-shirt but it got a bit long for a t-shirt in the end maybe you need to like put like archaeology doesn't have to be below ground on the front and then put the whole kind of like paragraph on the back exactly exactly so yeah that could be like merchandise for the podcast series yeah, yeah. link in the in the description everyone um <laughs> no we don't actually have podcast merchandise yet it's, but, it's but early should. days for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yes mugs pens yeah, mugs. <laughs> all, all, all available yeah <laughs> yeah watch this space mm. um so yeah, let's kind of well, let's dig deeper as, uh, Let, let's as do our that. podcast name demands um, into your your recent paper that I read in Post Medieval Archaeology, where you talk about the spirit of historic buildings and balancing the objective and subjective building recording. Yes, which is hopefully, I mean, it's it's a it's I thought it was quite an interesting subject. I would say that. But you yeah, know, talking about objective and subjective building recording. Um, no, sorry, so, it wasn't so, very so, so, so jazzily little... put. <laughs> yes, it doesn't sound very snappy. But it, it sort of it came out. I mean, it's, it's an academic paper, so you know, it's mm. it's it's not the most th- thrilling thing to read. But it came out as a result of the fact that I go around buildings most days of the week, and and you record these things. You take hundreds of photographs. And you draw every, you know, aspect of a structure and you write long winded descriptions, architectural descriptions of a building. And and you're tasked with recording that building for posterity, usually, as I say, because it's going to be knocked down. But if you do all those things, is it possible, even if you take a million photographs and do a 3D scan of every brick, is it possible that in that process you are recording a building as thoroughly as it can ever be recorded 
is is the building entirely contained by its physical architectural form or is there something more right is does that does does a building have something a bit more intangible uh the the sort of a a, a will-o'-the-wisp that that were ever not quite reaching towards but were never quite grasping and i was trying to figure out whether there was that little nagging absence in in the records that i was making um which comes down to this this idea of whether a building has a spirit or a Mm. soul um and i'm sure you have favorite buildings or places that you enter and you think this gives me a particular you know this is a spooky place or this place is Mm. really cool or this place evokes memories within me and the building becomes more than just the sort of physical stuff that it happens to be made of it's kind of greater than the sum of its parts and if if we're recording a building because it's going to be knocked down tomorrow then it's quite important that i think that we try and get at that however imperfectly and and badly articulated uh, that our attempt may be at least we've got it in mind yeah and i was trying to lay out a sort of some kind of understanding of of what that soul would be and how to get at it um badly and imperfectly but but giving it a go so if 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 a building isn't just its stuff and if we can't objectively record a building then we're trying to subjectively record something that isn't there so Mm -hmm. we're not measuring bricks we're trying to subjectively record how a building makes us feel, for example. And they're two quite different things. Um, and can we sensibly approach that within the confines of a commercial archaeology unit? Uh, yeah. And, you know, how, how far do, do we take this? Because we can end up just writing long pages of nonsense <laughs> rather than actually getting on with the job of doing an architectural description. Yeah, be doing. it's making that balance between recording it for for future generations to be able to see what was there mm. but without without making it so without removing the archaeologists and their feelings from from mm. the paper or from the report mm. yeah and so it'd be like um i don't know imagine your childhood bedroom for example mm-hmm. i mean you you may have grown up in a gothic tower or something <laughs> no i didn't you know, but... <laughs> full of amazing machines um but it's it's unlikely you probably like i did had a relatively small room which was probably painted magnolia you know and and as an as an architectural historian you may not pay it that much attention um even if it's going to be demolished but to you um Mm. it's it's obviously much more than that and as as an architectural historian we're never going to be able to to you know entirely record all mm-hmm. those things it was to you and maybe the child who had that bedroom before you and before you and before them stretching back you know a hundred years or whatever um but we can at least be aware so it may be that there's the the blue tack from your first take that poster you know uh, i and, mean and, take, and, not take that for me but <laughs> yeah there was doctor who posters okay good and, um, yeah well there's the blue tap for your first doctor who poster and, yeah, and the face the of that stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I just want to um say as well though like 
if my mum listens to this, she'll be very cross if I don't mention the fact that my childhood bedroom had a mural on the wall that she painted mm. um, on That's a window lovely. looking out at fields and our cat sitting on the window looking out oh. through the window. Was, was so, it a good mural or did you kind of get yeah. a bit fed up with it? No, I loved it. Is it still there now? I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe it's been, I think it might have been um, painted over. I was just thinking about that and how, like, you know, it's not just Magnolia, but to someone else, like, like, what would that mean? It'd be like, oh, that's a pretty picture. But to me, that's my childhood cat looking out a window, mm. Mm. like onto a kind of a typical Welsh countryside scene. Mm. And uh, it means a lot more to me than maybe to a to a buildings archaeologist or yeah. Because oh, often you'd you'd think, oh God, I'm trying to understand this wall, and there's a yeah. load of silly paintings all over it. So right. I, I was in a, a hospital in Essex just before lockdown, mm-hmm. and the walls were covered in all sorts of crazy murals, uh, at least what was left of the walls because it had been half demolished before we got there. But the <laughs> the um so obviously that was concealing kind of art deco tiles and you know what right but equally those were the murals painted by the children from what was a children's wing of a hospital right and they were only kind of 10 years old or or something so yeah they're a very recent fairly ephemeral you know artistically unimportant addition to an historic structure but obviously they're perhaps more to do with the spirits of that building than the fact that there's some fairly boring, you know, art deco tiles yeah. if you scrape the paint off. So you're trying to get at both of those things um, and at least be aware, you know, have, have, have a sort of, have, have, have your eyes open and your ears yeah. open as, as, as you go around. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the way I tried to express it in, in, in the paper was, was that it's all the the traces of the interactions that a people have made with that building through time. So a, right. the authentic building is the sum total of all those little traces of all the people that have moved through, which could just be, you know, the wear of a handrail or, 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 or the, the scuff marks on a stair, or it could be a mural painted for a child of a mm. cat. Um, or it could be a height chart, you know, of, of your yeah, oh, gr- yeah. gr- growing self or whatever it happens to be. Or it could be the fact that you're in a prison condemned execution cell and mm, there's graffiti mm. on the walls, you know, and it's dark and scary down there. You know, it, it could be yeah. a bit more kind of, you know, chewy than, than that. But, um, yeah. I, I, it's, it's those. It's being aware that the building is not just a pristine building that was once built. Yeah. It's, it, it's had all those people move through it and, and interact with it and leave their, their marks upon it, and in, in recovering those marks or being open to them, you're, you're kind of raising the ghosts of the people that have once lived there, mm, because mm. as long as their traces abide, then those people, to a very limited extent, abide too. So you're interested in people as well as buildings. Yeah. I think. So how did you kind of reconcile this with your paper? What were your recommendations for archaeologists to deal with this um, conundrum? Yeah, well, I suppose I, there are a few of them um, and I tried to keep it quite workable. So one is so many times we get to buildings and they've been stripped 
clear mm-hmm. just before we got there. You know, so you go, there's kind of obvious ones. You go into a factory and all the machines have been taken out. And so you're left yeah. in a big room. And you think, well, okay, I could try and describe and understand this factory with posterity. Yeah. It would be a hell of a lot easier if all the machines are still there and then we could understand how the factory worked, Um, not just a big room. But it could be something that you already know how it worked, like a a hospital ward without the beds or something, Mm -hmm. or a a library without the books. Or we went into a, a, a museum of anatomy which I've been to before, and all the jars with all the sort of crazy things staring back at you. Mm. I remember them all on the shelves, floor to ceiling. And we went there and they'd been cleared away for safekeeping. Um, and so you're just left with a big room with lots right. of empty shelves. And and so it would be it would be lovely if it could become standard industry practice that we get there just before the building ceases to operate. And right. then we can talk to people. So we can talk uh-huh. to to the Emilies of this world and ask them about the cat on their wall and what his yeah. name was. And that would be a lot Tilly. more meaningful. Stilly. Very, Tilly. Very nice and, and, and so that that would just be better. You know, it's, it's not it's not asking for, for the moon on a stick. It, it should, yeah. shouldn't be that hard to be able to do that, I think. Um, yeah, and I suppose another thing that, that struck me was, was we can, well, we need to do all the endless dull description of a building and every you know last twiddly bit and and architectural detail and that's good and necessary but i think we should also be allowed to write some things about how we feel about a space because buildings were designed to be experienced by people Mm. and often we're the last people ever to experience a building so the fact that you've got a long drippy tunnel which is intimidating in a mm. workhouse and was perhaps meant to be intimidating or you've got a right. great spangly staircase and you walk in and you think oh, this is a really awe-inspiring space then then i think it's legitimate to be able to to weave that into your into your description so some yeah. subjective emotional uh, responses i think but without making it sound too kind of you know wafty needs to, yeah. to be grounded I think in a you kind can be of... scientific about how you feel about things you know yeah this building and, and gave think... me the creeps but <laughs> yeah in a kind of like <laughs> this building unnerved me there you are and That's I go the... to some unnerving spaces and I think it's right it's, exactly it's, it's fine to say that and, and I think because archaeology is archaeology is science that would be a good po- po- podcast series we could do and I think <laughs> For many years, archaeology was being taken seriously as a science, or at least trying to be. But perhaps mm-hmm. if you do that, then you you shut out the room for the kind of the storytelling and the subjective right. and the emotional um, and the intangible and, and and all these things, which I think are just as important, because mm-hmm. otherwise you're you're just kind of creating a a, a, a sort of a husk, not a fully yeah. rounded idea of of, of a building. Um, yeah, and I, I suppose the the other thing that that I was trying to kind of frame this stuff in was was the life of a building is not just provided by all the people who have lived their lives within a building, uh, but the fact that the building itself has lived its own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so a building is is conceived 
in the mind of its builder or architect and then it has a sort of it's born so it's built and then it has a youthful pristine state and then it, it may have a, a, a prime when it's doing what it's supposed to be doing and it's doing it well um, and then it may become enlarged as many of us do with you know <laughs> middle age or, or maybe bits get knocked off you know it has unfortunate <laughs> accidents through, through its life and then it, it may have a period of decline as do we all and yeah. decrepitude and maybe its original purpose becomes redundant and people drift away and it's left alone and and i'm sure we all in in our landscape we know buildings which are like that and they are that they are at death's door um mm. and sometimes they're rehabilitated and they might have you know a second a second youth or they may just quietly die and mm. and it's it's all those lives a building has lived there's not just one building when we go into a structure and I, the, the one we'll talk about in uh, later on is is a good example of a building which has lived many many different lives over the course yeah. of its centuries of existence it, it was built as one thing and it ended up this kind of kaleidoscope of ridiculous uses and ended up as something completely different and and if you're trying to tell tell the story of a building's life um then i think you can't just couch it in in dry prose i think you have to be a bit more biographical and a mm -hmm. bit more prosy as as you go about it and and if a building is going to die sometimes buildings die all by themselves um but sometimes we more often we kill them we 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 take our jcb and 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 we end the building's life and the building may be much older than we are the building may right. have lived a longer and richer life than we have um and have been important to to thousands and thousands of people through time and and i was trying to get at the idea that part of what i do in making a record of them for posterity is is it's almost like an act of respect for the long long life a building has lived mm -hmm. so it doesn't really matter whether anybody's got to read it or not or whether <laughs> i actually find out anything we didn't know before we started which is sometimes the case you know since some buildings are not that mysterious um but it there's an act of rightness in us doing it you, yeah. you, you have when when a building is built you you kind of lay a foundation stone and and you cut a ribbon and and all that sort of thing so we're quite good at doing acts of of significance at the start of a building's life but yeah. we're very bad at doing them at the end of a building's life and and maybe in a small way having a record as part of the planning process which is essentially what this is 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 an act of recognition and valediction before before the building goes um yeah and it's kind of like saying any last words like, exactly in exactly. a nice way <laughs> yeah and and if 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 buildings talking to us and trying to tell us something um we should probably be be listening to it you know and and try yeah. and hear what it has to say even if all it has to say is not a traditional account of its architectural history whether it's a bit yeah. more kind of touchy-feely than that and i think there's room for both i've never thought of building so much as having as having souls it's true that i have noticed when buildings make me feel a certain way yeah um but it's a really interesting way of thinking about it and i think it will add a lot to those those archaeological reports that you know 
you might as well write this stuff down like otherwise it'll be lost like if, you, if someone feels like it's wishy-washy they don't have to read that bit yeah <laughs> you know? yeah just skip you, to the significance you, and potential and you, you could use you could use a different font for it you, you could have you know what what's it Comic Sans. You could write all yeah. the Touch of Felix stuff in Comic Sans, and all the other architectural history in like Times New Roman, and then people can, uh, you know, decide which bit to read. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, often I am literally the last person ever to be in a building. Yeah. Um, Before the diggers come through. Yeah, and and sometimes I go in a building and and I write my notes and I take my photos and then I go for lunch and I come back and it's gone. You know, there's just a wow. pile of bricks. So you think thousands and thousands of people over centuries have been in that building and I've walked out the door and, and I was the last person ever yeah. ever to do that and and you know that that was the chance to to get this stuff down you know yeah um and 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 say goodbye and, and then the building mm. is gone so yeah, yeah. evocative yeah. stuff yeah I, I, or sometimes not because you get some really boring yeah. buildings yeah right i'm sure we have buildings we've, we've met which don't have souls <laughs> but, <laughs> that's very cruel they have yes. a soul it's just not i don't know their aura is not uh particularly interesting <laughs> or if the soul is generated by the sum total of human interaction through time mm. maybe insufficient time has passed and insufficient exactly. humans have interacted with it and so yeah. if you get the most kind of banal you know two up two down house and you leave it for a, a thousand years then it's it's gonna end up being a pretty cool place to visit i think yeah so it just maybe it just yeah. needs time yeah that was part one of our interview with michael shapland look out for part two when we'll talk about recording the many layers and various uses of the brighton dome one of michael's recent and most exciting projects we hope you enjoyed that episode of Archaeology Southeast Digs Deeper. You can find more information about the episode in the show notes or on our website at ucl.ac.uk forward slash archaeology dash south dash east forward slash podcast. For more archaeology content, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at ArcSouthEast and Facebook and Instagram at Archaeology Southeast. Thanks for listening.